You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk Church? How's everybody doing this morning? It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I am excited to be here with all of you. For those watching with us online today, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, Today is an incredible day of celebration. Not only is it Sunday and we get to come and celebrate the Lord's goodness and faithfulness to us, but it is also um, 18 years of celebration for uh, when my wife and I said, I do. And so 18, yeah, it's our 18th anniversary. And honey, I just want you to know that I have discovered why a lot of people refer to their spouse as their better half, because for half of my life, approximately, I've been married to you, and I can honestly say that it has been the better half. And from, uh, in, in front of God and all of these witnesses, 18 years ago, I looked you in the eye and said, I do, and today I, wanna, I want you to know that I still do. And... Um, I love you, and I wasn't going to get emotional, (laughs) but I couldn't think of anybody else that I would want to be on this crazy journey with, and so um, here's to uh, 75 more. How about that? 75 more. All right. If you got your Bibles, you got a smart device, um, I want to invite you to turn with me, swipe with me to the New Testament. Um, We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. That's the very first book in the New Testament. Um, Today we're continuing our series, Hashtag Blessed, where we've been taking a look at the Beatitudes from what is known as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And each of the principles that make up these Beatitudes, they serve as keys that you and I can use to unlock blessing and happiness in our lives as we choose to live in alignment with the kingdom of God. And if you missed any of the previous messages that are a part of this series, you can go back to our podcast or to our YouTube channel um, and listen or watch so that you can catch up with where we are today. But we're going to land in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. We'll land there in just a minute. Uh, Perhaps... Uh, Some of you have heard of a guy by the name of Sir Isaac Newton. Anybody? Yeah? A few people. Um, One of the things that he is most well known for are his three laws of motion, which in simple terms, and hear me when I say this, I'm putting them in simple terms for me, not for you, okay? This is not condescension or, um, you know, lack of my belief in in your ability to understand things, but it's because I'm a simple man, and so I have to understand them in simple ways. But in simple terms, these three laws of motion are as follows. Number one, every object moves in a straight line unless acted upon by a force. Number two, the second law, the acceleration of an object is directly proportional to the net force exerted and inversely proportional to the object's mass. And number three, the third law of motion, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And as I was preparing for today's message, I just couldn't help but think of this third law of motion. And I'm certainly no physicist, but the way that I understand it is 
like so. For example, when, when, I, uh, when I walk, there is this thing called friction between my feet and the floor. And so when I go to take a step to propel myself forward, my foot utilizes that friction to create force that, that pushes the floor away from my foot. And, and equally and, and oppositely, uh, at the same time, the floor uses that friction to push my foot away from itself, thus achieving the desired result of forward motion. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I became a pastor and not a scientist, um, because that's about as well as I can explain stuff like that. But it, it's two forces equal and opposite, working together to achieve a desired result. And I think you'll be able to see the correlation here as we take a look at today's text in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, where Jesus says this. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So what we have here is the giving of mercy, which then leads to the receiving of mercy. And we all love that part. We all love that second part where we get to receive the mercy. You know, we all turn into like our 80-year-old granny who said things like, mercy sakes, or maybe, Lord, have mercy. You know, maybe you had one of those grandmas or whatever. We're always, we're calling on the Lord to, to grant us, to, to bring us mercy because we like the part of things where, where we get mercy. But, but while mercy is something that we expect, it's not always something that we're quick to extend. We want to get it, but we don't necessarily want to give it. And so when, when we look at what Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, and we kind of zoom in on the very micro level, we take a closer look at it, we're able to see, first off, a very powerful principle that is illustrated in this verse. And, and this principle is one of God's spiritual laws that, that we see time and time again throughout the course of Scripture. It's the principle of reciprocity. That's a fun word. Everybody say that with me, reciprocity. Reciprocity is the principle that the great theologian Justin Timberlake was referring to when he's saying, what goes around, goes around, goes around, comes all the way back around. Nobody? No, nothing? You're just going to leave me hanging there? What goes around comes all the way back around. That's reciprocity. It's like what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. He says, give and you will receive. Galatians 6, verse 7, Paul writes, he says, you will always harvest whatever you plant. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Luke 6, 31, do to others as you would like for them to do unto you. We see that time and time again throughout the course of Scripture. And, and ultimately what Jesus is saying here as it relates to this principle of reciprocity is simply this. When you give mercy or you choose to be merciful toward others, you will receive mercy in return. It's the idea that whatever we plant is what we will harvest, that whatever we give is what we will get. And when you and I, when we hear the word mercy, a lot of us probably think of things like compassion or 
sympathy or maybe even kindness. And while each of those things may may definitely be directly connected to this idea of mercy, real mercy only comes into play when you and I take action. See, this this concept of of mercy here uh, in this verse is it's akin to putting yourself in someone else's shoes or or getting inside their skin. It's, It's the act of choosing to gain a different perspective in regard to the experiences of someone else and then responding uh, appropriately to meet that person at the point of their need. We're able to, to feel sympathy or compassion without being merciful. So, so just because you feel sympathy, just because you may be compassionate towards something doesn't necessarily mean that you are, are being merciful. We can, we can have those things separate from one another. For example, we can get all teary-eyed when we see the ASPCA commercial come on TV. You know, in the arms of the angel. Oh, y'all get that one, okay. <laughs> You know, there's some like destitute little puppy like shivering over in the corner. You know, we like, we can, that get, brings us to our knees weeping. You know, we're just looking at the, change the channel, someone. But we're not showing mercy. We may be compassionate towards that, but we're not showing mercy until we call the number and give them our credit card info or, or until we get up off the couch and actually go out and help to rescue those animals. That's when we're being merciful, when we take action because of the experience that we have. So it's important for us to realize here on the front end that, that being merciful requires us to actually do something to take action, to help meet someone where they are, and to minister to their needs. When we act mercifully, we will be treated mercifully. But on the same hand, if we're critical of others, we shouldn't be surprised when we get criticism in return. If we gossip about others, we have no business being surprised when we find ourselves as the subject or the topic of gossip. When we're harsh and judgmental toward others, we, we shouldn't be caught off guard when they are harsh and judgmental toward us. If, if we treat others cruelly, then we can expect them to treat us cruelly in return. If, if we condemn others, we can expect to be condemned. But if we plant compassion, we'll harvest compassion. If we sow gentleness, we will reap gentleness. If we plant grace, we will harvest grace. If we sow mercy, then we will reap mercy. It's one of the most basic and foundational principles of the kingdom of God. And it's the principle of this verse right here. But there's more than just a principle found in this verse. There's also As we zoom in a little bit further, a promise. We see a promise. Jesus tells his disciples, his true followers, that when they choose to live this way by being merciful, that they will in turn receive mercy. That is a promise that for those of us that are are living life as a true disciple, and we're following Jesus with our whole heart each and every day, that's a promise that you and I can take to the bank. Luke 150 tells us this. It says, he shows mercy, speaking of God, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. 
In Psalm 86, 15, the psalmist writes, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Psalm 136, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. And then all the way through the rest of Psalm 136, each time a statement is made about the goodness and faithfulness, the character of God, 26 different verses, 26 different times throughout the chapter, something is said about the character and the qualities of God. And in return, the people respond, for his mercy endures forever. That's the God that we serve. That's the promise that you and I have this morning. Because God is a merciful God and because his mercy is directed toward us, then we can have assurance no matter where the road in front of us may lead. No matter the pain that we experience along the way, no matter what detours we are forced to take, no matter the difficulty we may have to endure, you and I, we can be assured that God is going to be there with us every single step of the way, lavishing us with his mercy to forgive us and to strengthen us and to sustain us through the difficulties of this thing that we call life. This is precisely what David was referring to in Psalm chapter 23 when he wrote this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's the promise that for those of us who call upon our heavenly father, We put our faith, our hope, our trust in his son, Jesus Christ. We enter into right relationship with him. We choose to live in alignment with his kingdom. That's the promise that we can hold on to this morning. You know, it seems that there has been a growing demand, especially here of late in the United States in particular, for justice, right? Social media and the news channels and all that, we, we, we thir- we're a people that are thirsting for justice. You, you know what I'd prefer instead of justice? I don't know about you, I'd prefer mercy instead of justice. Because justice means that I get what I deserve. If God granted me justice, then I'd be destroyed. If, if God gave, gave me, me justice, then, then gave us all justice, there would not be one among us that could stand in his presence, that could measure up to his holiness. Were, were we given justice, the end result would be a forfeiture of all hope because we would come to the realization that each one of us is lost and that we're unable to save ourselves. I don't want justice, I want mercy. And the good news for us this morning is that instead of justice, you know what God did give us? He gave us the cross. And the cross is the greatest symbol of mercy this world has ever known. It's because of the cross that you and I, we don't get what we deserve, but we can have mercy instead. See, this word mercy is actually derived from a Latin word, which literally means price 
paid. And it was on the cross that Jesus, in his mercy toward us, paid the full price. At the cross of Calvary, the debt for your sin and for my sin, it was paid in full. And so now when God the Father looks at me because I've placed my hope and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when God the Father looks at me, he doesn't see someone who still owes payment for the penalty of sin in my life. Instead, when the Father looks at me, he looks at me through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. When he looks at me, he's not looking through the lens of condemnation and judgment. He's looking at me through the lens of mercy. And when he views me through that lens, he sees that because of the work of Christ on the cross, that my debt has been completely satisfied. That though I may deserve death, the cross says I get to have life. That while I deserve to be banished from God's presence, the cross says I can have fellowship with the Father. That that though I deserve to be condemned, the cross says I'm forgiven. That, That though I deserve hell, The cross says that I get to have heaven instead. It's because of this completed work of Jesus on the cross that that I and, and those of us that have placed our trust and hope in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we can we can lay claim to the promise of Hebrews 4:16, which reads this: it says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see, we're able to exhibit the graces of God in our life only to the extent that we have experienced them. We're only able to forgive others to the extent that we have recognized or realized God's forgiveness for us. We're only able to love others to the extent that we recognize how much he has loved us. We're only able to be merciful to others to the extent that we understand how merciful the Father is toward us. And so the process works kind of like this. God is the one that initiated the cycle, right? He started it. He created it. He, 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 he created us. And when we got it wrong, he sent Jesus to come and, and pay the penalty. Remember, mercy is, is price paid. And so he sent Jesus to pay the penalty on, on our behalf. He, he initiated the cycle. And so, so God initiates the cycle. God's merciful toward us. We receive his mercy. And then we're able to extend mercy toward others. And as we begin to demonstrate the mercy that we've received from God, then mercy begins to flow back into our life from a variety of sources and avenues, which starts the process all over again. As we receive mercy, we give mercy, and mercy comes back to us. And as we receive mercy, we give mercy, and mercy comes back to us. That is the promise of Matthew 5, verse 7. So we've looked at uh, first a uh, principle. Sorry, we've looked at a principle. Now we've looked at a promise. Then finally... I believe these things, they point us to a prescription. This verse points us to a prescription. And and a prescription is is simply a rule or course of action to be followed. We would typically, obviously, associate a prescription with taking medicines. Um, But a prescription is, is simply a rule or a course of action to be followed. 
And in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Micah, uh, chapter 6, verse 8, we read this. It says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so this is where it's, it's this, this concept here, this speaking of what the Lord requires of us and, and, and to, to, to begin to not just think about mercy, not just understand the promise of mercy, but, but when it's prescribed to begin to practice it in our own life. This is where, um, this is where it moves from attitude to action or, or where the rubber meets the road, if you will. And if we're being honest today, Many of us, we don't respond to the adversity and the struggle and the hurt and the pain and the difficulty of life. We don't respond very mercifully. And there's a reason we don't do that. It's because it's really hard to do that. That's why we don't do it. it it's, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Instead, what most of us do including your pastor, if I'm being vulnerable, when given the opportunity, a lot of us, instead of being merciful, we plot revenge instead. Because let's face it, it's usually easier. It's a whole lot more fun. And at the time, at least, it it feels a lot better than being merciful. It reminds me of a story that I, I read recently about a truck driver who had gone to a truck stop to get a bite to eat while he was out traveling over the road. And there he was, back in a corner booth, quietly sitting and eating his meal when some members of a vicious motorcycle gang came in and began harassing him and calling him names. One of the bikers even got right up in the trucker's face, shouting slurs and insults of all kinds. And he took the trucker's coffee and poured it all over his food and was just making a big mess at the table he pointed, the, pointed his finger in the trucker's chest and he said, you know, you're a big man inside that big 18-wheeler of yours, but outside of that truck, you're nothing more than a wimp. The trucker didn't say anything. He remained calm and instead of retaliating, he simply grabbed his ticket, took it to the cashier booth, paid his bill and quietly left. The biker yelled out to the waitress, yeah, he's not much of a man outside of that big truck. The waitress, looking out the window, responded, yeah, he ain't much of a truck driver either. He just ran over six motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. <laughs> would that be you, anybody? <laughs> Want to be honest? That would be, I would be like, yeah, that would be me. See, I would dare to venture that many of us could share umpteen stories of how we've been hurt at one time or another. We could, we could tell in great details the horror story, the ways that we've been mistreated over the years. We could talk ad nauseum about the hole that's been left in our heart as a result of this hard knock life that we have been forced to endure. Maybe the wound that you carry today, maybe it's from years ago. Maybe once upon a time you were abused or you were rejected, maybe your spouse betrayed you, maybe a close friend turned their back on you, maybe a business deal you were a part of went sour, and here we are years later, and you remain hurt and wounded and angry. Or maybe today your wound is a bit more fresh. Maybe you recently saw the person who owes you money drive by you in their brand new car. 
Or maybe the job promotion that you're, you've been working so hard to achieve was, was awarded to someone else. Perhaps this morning you're in a position where, where your career path has taken a detour and led you to a place that you simply never thought that you would be. Maybe despite your best efforts to raise them in a godly home and point them in the right direction, your, your children have turned their back on their faith and, and maybe even you in the process. Maybe today the one that you think of as your best friend has begun to simply ignore you. You know, the list could go on and on and on of all of the ways and the different scenarios that, that we've experienced pain and hurt in this life. But many of us today are in a position where part of us feels broken and another part of us just feels bitter. That one half of us wants to cry and the other half of us wants to fight somebody. We're angry, hurt, frustrated. And if we're being honest, if, if we would be honest with ourselves and with others, we would say that, that all of that stuff, it's eating us alive. And if you're here this morning, and you're experiencing any of these types of issues, let me first begin with explaining how not to deal with them. The first thing we, we shouldn't do is, is nurse those hurts. See, it, it can be easy for us to take some kind of perverse delight in nursing our hidden wounds. We, we like to to think about them. We like to, to dwell on them. It's kind of like sometimes when you have that bruise, you know, and you push it and you're like, man, that hurts, but it kind of hurts good. You know what I'm talking about? That's how we want to do with, with, the, with the wounds that we've experienced over the years. We can still remember all these years later what our father did to us. Or we can remember all these years later what our mom once said about us. Or, or we, can, we can remember all these years later how our spouse acted toward us. We can hold on to an offense for years with, without ever truly attempting to resolve it. And ultimately what happens is we become obsessed with it. My prescription for you this morning, if that's you, is you just got to let that stuff go. Like it's holding you captive. When you let that stuff go, you're going to find out that, that you're the one that's going to be free. You're the one that's free. So first off, we, we shouldn't nurse those hurts, those wounds. The, the, the second thing, we, we also shouldn't curse those hurts or those wounds. We have to refuse to let the wounds that we've experienced to allow us to become bitter and cynical toward life and, and toward God. We, we can't allow the anger that we feel toward God or toward the person that caused the offense to us we can't allow that to have control over our lives and, and dictate the way that we live and the way that we respond and the way that we feel. So we can't nurse them. We, we can't curse them. And, and, and third and finally, we, we shouldn't rehearse them. We shouldn't rehearse those wounds. But, but you know, you and I, it's really easy. And we like to do that. We like to replay things over and over and over in our minds. Oh, man, I would have done this, or I should have done this, or I, if I would have only said this. And, and, and we, we replay, we like to talk about those things to anybody that will give us an ear and will, will give us five minutes to listen. It seems like we're always trying to find places in the conversation to kind of leverage it and, and move it toward that thing to, so that we can bring up that old stuff from, from years gone by and, and, and rehash it. 
The truth is, is that as long as we keep bringing that up, we're never going to be able to forget about it. We're never going to be able to move on from it, and we're never going to be able to find healing from it. Maybe this morning you need to begin practicing these steps toward maybe your spouse or practice it toward your parents or maybe your boss, especially if you work at Christ Walk Church. <laughs> maybe your brother or sister here is a part of this body. You need to begin to practice these things toward them. And instead of tearing them down, instead of constantly criticizing them, instead of running through the laundry list of all of the injustices that have come your way on their behalf, instead of choosing to nurse and curse and rehearse those wounds, why not try to immerse it instead? Immerse the issue or the person that's at the root of the hurt in love and service and do so with no strings attached. Like to show mercy to someone is to simply do good to them. And, and the good news for some of you this morning is that you don't have to like somebody to do good to them. I was texting with someone in jest last week and they, they told me that they loved me and I responded, I said, I love you too, but mostly because I have to to go to heaven. <laughs> I was just kidding. It was a friend. But yeah, we have to love people, but you don't have to like people. But you can be merciful to people without liking them. You can do good to people without liking someone. And so, so it's a choice that we make. I don't, I don't have to like you, and I don't even have to like what I'm doing, but I'm going to choose to immerse you. I'm going to choose to immerse this situation in authentic love and service because I know that's what Jesus would do. Do you think he liked us in our sin? No. We were disgusting to him, but yet in his love and his mercy, his kindness toward us, he chose the cross so that we could experience his mercy. And so we do the same thing to other people. We immerse it in authentic love and service. Second thing, instead of choosing to nurse, curse, or rehearse those wounds, not only should we immerse it, but why not try to reverse it? Instead of allowing those wounds to, to make us more cynical, more bitter, more angry, Instead, why don't we try to let those wounds bring out a greater level of sensitivity and care and compassion toward others around us who may be hurting as well? See, ultimately, it boils down to one word, one word that we don't like to say, one word that even in church we don't like to say. It starts with an F. I'm going to say it, so just get ready. Forgiveness. We don't like that word. Some of you are already formulating your email right now, like your angry email. Some of you may still be doing it. We don't, we, don't like the, we don't like that F word. We don't like the word forgiveness. But ultimately, to be merciful is to be forgiving. It, it's to cancel someone else's debt. When someone does, it wrong, does us wrong, we don't, we don't hold it against them. And the truth is, is that it's impossible for an unforgiving person to be forgiven themselves. See, most of us read this verse and we think, yeah, I can do that. I can be merciful so that I can receive mercy. But, but really, that's not what's going on here at all. That's not what Jesus 
is getting at. What I think Jesus is really saying is that only those of us who have received mercy are able to show mercy to other people. If we aren't merciful to others, it's, it's a pretty good indicator that we've not received or understood the mercy that has been extended to us by God. It's the same principle that Jesus talks about later on in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, it's not that we forgive others so that God will forgive us. It's that we forgive others because God has forgiven us. And if we aren't forgiving toward others, it's an indicator that we haven't received the forgiveness that God makes available to us. We see the same concept again when John talks about love in 1 John 4, 7, and 8. He says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's the same principle that's taking place in each and every one of these Beatitudes. You're noticing by now, five weeks in, a trend, a pattern that is developing. These are not practices that we follow so that we can become a part of the kingdom of God. They're practices that we follow. They are principles that are observable in the lives of those that are a part of the kingdom of God. We don't do these to gain access to the kingdom. We do these because we are a part of it. And as I mentioned before, the, the world that we live in loves justice. And so when you choose to live this way, when you choose to become this kind of a part of the kingdom of God and, 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 and to be merciful toward others, just get ready. Because people are going uh, to accuse you of being ignorant. They're going to accuse you of being naive. Maybe they'll even accuse you of being weak. But you need to know this morning that being merciful, it doesn't make you any of those things. What it really means is that you give others a second chance. It's the same second chance that you hope they would afford to you where the tables to be turned. See, often what happens is when someone makes a mistake or, or causes hurt or offense toward us, we're, we're tempted to think of that person only in the terms of what they did. You and I, we have this, this massive ability to reduce a person down to be the sum of their flaws, in some cases for their entire lives, and we'll never let them get over it. But to be merciful is to choose to believe the best about someone else. It's, it's to, to hope that there is more to a person than just their sins and mistakes, that, that that stuff doesn't tell the whole story about who that person is. And so instead, what you and I can do is we can choose to look beyond the sins of others because of the fact that God has looked beyond our sin. Nobody in this room wants to be remembered by their sins and shortcomings. None of us want to be defined by our mistakes. Each and every one of us is in desperate need of mercy. We all want a second or third or fifth chance. So when you think about it, 
we really aren't all that much different from each other after all. We're all broken. We're all hurting. We're all hopeful that our last mistake isn't the end of the story. See, being merciful also doesn't mean that we let other people off the hook. It, it's, it's, not, it's not blocking things out and pretending that something didn't happen or, or allowing the person to go on sinning against us or to continue hurting us in the way that they did before. But rather, showing mercy is providing room for another person to not be trapped by their past but instead be able to move forward so that they can grow and mature and become the person that God has called them to be. See, when when we're merciful towards somebody, we're not saying yes to the sin, but we are saying yes to the sinner. It's like what James writes in chapter 2, verse 13 of, of his letter. He says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. See, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And those of us who have freely received God's mercy can now freely extend God's mercy to others. We are merciful because we have been given mercy. And what has been extended to us we now extend to other people. And by doing so, we end up receiving in return the same mercy that we have given. So maybe you're here today and you're in need of God's mercy. Maybe you're watching with us online this morning. You would say, yeah, Pastor Blake, I could could take a heaping helping of that mercy in my life here today. The the good news is is that the Bible tells us that, that while we were still sinners, that Jesus died for us. If you're here this morning and you'd like to receive his mercy today, you'd like to walk out of this place forgiven and set free from the grip of sin on your life, then I just invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me. Can we bow our heads? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.